Welcome to episode 304 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about what does it mean to be redeemed and reformed unto godliness. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of episodes, we've been walking through Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And I just want to read it so it's fresh in our minds. This is what Paul writes. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. In the last episode, we were talking very specifically about what God's grace is instructing us to do. And we looked at the first piece, which is to deny or to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires. In other words, because we are Christians, we are to say no and live differently than the world around us, that we should not cling to or imbibe or live in such a way that is counter to God and his word, that, that we shouldn't desire the things of this world. In fact, as I read last time, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this, John says, don't love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world and the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. So Paul says, Hey, you are to deny, you are to resist. You are to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passions, those worldly lusts, those worldly desires. In other words, we are to be different and look radically counter to the world around us. So as we look at Titus chapter two, Paul is saying, Titus, I want you to remind the believers in Crete that God's grace is sufficient and that it is literally enabling us to resist the pull and the darkness of the world that, that you don't have to live in ungodliness and worldly desires. In fact, Paul goes on to say that God's grace is instructing us that we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That word to live, really interesting, it's the word zeo, and it means to have a certain kind of life or to live in a certain way. Well, what is the life of a Christian supposed to look like? What are our lives supposed to be marked with? And Paul gives three specific things. He says that our lives are to be sensible. It's also translated self-controlled, but it's this idea of under restraint or sober-minded. 
He also says that we are to live righteously. In other words, we are to live upright. We are to live holy and godly lives. And he clarifies that again in the third one where he says that we are to live godly. Now, some scholars have pointed out the fact that when we look at those three words, sensibly, righteously, and godly, sensibly deals with our relationship with ourselves. In other words, that we are self-controlled, we are prudent, we are restrained, we're sober-minded, and therefore we are living in such a way that our lives are constrained or restricted, and it's in relationship with ourselves. And the word righteous, it's interesting, though it's often emphasizing this idea of how we live in accordance with God's righteousness, they point out that actually in the the way that Paul is using it, it's used in such a way where it's in relationship with other people, and the word godly then would, would be in relationship with God himself. In other words, when you look at this idea of living self-controlled, righteous, and godly, it deals with how we're living in relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. In either case, the reality is, is that the life of Christ is to infect and affect every aspect and arena of our lives. That whether we are by ourselves, whether we are, we are with others, or it's how we just live under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the reality is that God's grace is sufficient to enable us to live how we as believers ought to live. That again, we don't have to live like the world around us. We can actually live conformed to the image of Christ. I really like that word godly in the passage. It has this idea, it's two Greek words kind of put together. It's this idea of well with this idea of being devout. In other words, it's an attitude or an action that is in alignment with God's life and nature. It's living in such a way that is pleasing to him. And that idea really becomes kind of the foundation or the basis for the Christian life. We as Christians are to live godly in the present age. In fact, that word godly shows up 18 times in the book of 1 Timothy. And it's how it's like the chief way that Paul uses or the chief word that Paul leverages to characterize and describe a Christian. In other words, a Christian is to be godly. Well, let me just give you one passage from what Paul says to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the end of verse 7 and verse 8, Paul says this, On the other hand, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily training is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what Paul is saying then is, you know, you go down to the gym and you work out and yeah, that's really great. And I really do enjoy doing that. And it, there is a gain, there is a profit to my life when I go to the gym. However, Paul says in light of eternity, in light of the, the big scheme of things, bodily training and exercise is only of a little profit, but godliness, the, the living according to, to God and his word is profitable for all things since it contains a promise not just for the now, but also for the life to come. In other words, you get a double bonus when you train yourself for godliness. So just like you would go down and run on the treadmill or lift some weights or bench press or whatever it may look like for you, what would it look like if we did that in the area of godliness? That we would begin to train ourselves for the Christian life. That we would walk in holiness and righteousness and truth that our lives would be marked by God's godly character. So again, 
think about what Paul is saying. He's saying the grace of God has appeared and it is instructing us that we can actually say no to the world and all of its evil, wicked, sinful, selfish desires. And the grace of God is actually instructing us how and empowering us to live in such a way where we are self-controlled, we're righteous, and we're living godly even in the present day. Well, with just that as the backdrop, I want to give you three quick concepts that come out of this little section. Number one, it's this idea of communal. I find it interesting that Paul is not talking specifically to one person, even though he's writing to Titus. He uses the plural when he says that God's grace is instructing us that we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. In other words, Christianity is not a lone ranger deal. That that you cannot be a Christian on your own. You need the body of Christ around you. And there's something about the community of believers, that body of believers called the church, that actually that helps and enables and encourages and exhorts us to live the life that we are called to live. I don't know about you, but when you look at the craziness that surrounds us, it's so easy to get lost and you know, disillusioned in the fog of, of culture. But there's something that happens when you gather with a body of believers who are wrapping their arms around you and bringing encouragement and exhortation and lifting you up and, and pointing your gaze to Jesus Christ. And when we do that for each other, not only does it solidify and deepen that reality in our own life, but it becomes a blessing to the people around us. So what if godliness and righteousness and, and living the Christian life is not meant to be me by myself and you somewhere else, rather I am to live this thing with you. And there's countless verses throughout the New Testament on this, but I want you to see the importance of the body of Christ, that we genuinely need each other. We need to encourage and equip and admonish one another because the days in which we live are short. So number one, it's this idea of communal. Number two, there's this idea of the current. In other words, it's now. I love what Paul says that that we're to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Now, granted, he was talking about the age 2,000 years ago, but it still holds true for today. In other words, we're not just to be righteous and godly sometime in the future. This isn't like, well, I'll live however I want to now, and I'll clean up my act at some point. This is, no, no, no. We are called to live as Christians right now regardless of how evil and dark it may be. In other words, this must be a present reality, not some future hope. That the godliness and the righteousness and being self-controlled is for the here and right now, not just for some, you know, pie in the sky moment in the future. I love that. Because as I look around, there's a lot of garbly gook. There's a lot of craziness and fog happening in the world. And as a result, it's seeping into the church. But what does it mean, as Paul says, that I could actually live as a believer, as a Christian, regardless of the darkness, regardless of the evil, regardless of what is taking place around us? So as Paul's talking about this idea of how a Christian lives and how the grace of God is instructing us and enabling us to do so, again, number one is communal. Number two, it's current. It's for the here and now. And number three, there's this idea of completeness. In other words, the entire person is changed. That God's grace is empowering us 
to actually live different. And it's not just in one arena of our lives. It's for every aspect, for every moment, in every area of our lives. In other words, God's grace doesn't just merely give us doctrinal correctness and it, you know, firms up our theology. It will do that, but it also enables us to change our behavior. That it's not just a doctrinal correctness, but a behavioral correctness that the grace of God brings about. If, if I know all the good information and I know all the theology and I can check it off a list, but it actually hasn't changed my life, well, what good is it? I know a lot of people who have a, a lot of head knowledge and have a lot of the details, but then their lives are miserable. And yet Paul says that the grace of God is, yes, teaching us, but it's also enabling us to actually live how we're called to live, that our lives are to be marked by love, that, that we are self-controlled, that we can be righteous and godly even in this present age. And again, it affects every area of our lives. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. In other words, your nature, your life has radically changed so much so that we now call you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, that you are born again. So you cannot say, well, all right, I'll, I'll allow God's grace to affect this area and maybe this area, but I'm holding on to this one. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that because God's grace changes everything in your life so much so that you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that is the reality of what it means to live in Christ. Let, let me leave you with one other passage. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.11, but you, O man of God, flee from these things. He's talking about the things of the world and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Can I encourage you? What would it look like if, as Paul says in Titus, what if we would throw off and say no and reject ungodliness and worldly desires? And what if we would actually begin to pursue the things of godliness, the, those things that are righteous, godly, those of faith and of love, of perseverance and gentleness. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb. And because he has redeemed you, do you realize he wants to reform you? He wants to radically change you unto godliness. He wants you to not look like the world. He wants you to look like Jesus. That as Romans 8, 29 says that you are being conformed to the image of Christ, that image of the dear son. Can I ask you, what is it in your life that you are holding on to and not allowing the grace of God to change? What, what is it in your life that, that you are just saying, well, it's, I'm just so addicted or this is just my habit or this is just, I'm stuck in this area or it's just my personality. Would you allow the overwhelming presence of God to infect and affect that area until everything has changed? And I understand this is a process, but but what if you begin to press forward and allow the conforming power of or the transforming grace of God to conform you to the image of Christ? We as believers have an incredible privilege and opportunity not to look like the world, but to look like our precious Savior. 
And we can, even in the days in which we live, we can live sensibly or self-controlled. We can live righteously and we can live godly even right now. And as I've often talked about on the podcast, this is not done through gritting your teeth and trying to act like a Christian. Rather, we need him. We need Jesus and his spirit inside of us to bring this about. That's why Paul says that the grace of God is here. It's sufficient and it's doing the work in us. That his grace through the spirit in our lives is bringing about the transformation that we desperately need. What we don't need is a whole bunch of people who are play acting or trying to grit their teeth through Christianity. Rather, we need believers who are fully surrendered, fully yielded, fully abiding, fully dependent on their God and who are allowing Jesus to showcase his life in and through them. In short, can I encourage you, walk self-controlled, righteous, and godly in the present age, not through your strength or your power or your wisdom, but through his. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those verses that I read, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 304 for episode 304. And until next time, where we continue to dive into Titus chapter two, know I am cheering you on. I am praying for you as we continue to build our lives around Jesus Christ. See you next time.